welcome to The Straw Hat with Rabbi David Wolkenfeld and Rabbinate Goldie Guy. We are the official podcast of Anshe Shalom B'nai Israel Congregation, an Orthodox synagogue in the Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the Straw Hat Podcast. We are recording just a few days after the end of Pesach and that first post-Pesach back to Chametz uh, week. And uh, I thought it would be good to take some time to just recap a little bit about uh, Pesach experience. We, you know, we tried, wait, wait. What oh, was your first Chametz? What was my first Chametz? Um, my first chametz, you know, I barely had chametz. I have to, I have to confess, I, I had. We have so many. Really, Is that why there are so many open matzah boxes at shul? <laughs> we have so many. We know we have we have a lot of really good leftovers at home, uh, and uh, I don't eat a lot of bread, so um, I think I had some Cheerios. Um, we have a lot. That was the mm. first chametz I had. That's not so exciting. I'm really sorry. What was yours? I went to a mamuna. No way. Oh, yeah. That's so authentic. It was really fun. I, it wasn't authentic for me because I'm Ashkenaz, like very Ashkenaz, but... It was very culturally appropriative. So I had uh, I had Mufleta? Sfinge. Mufleta? No? I had Sfinge. I, I didn't... The Sfinge is like the, it's like a donut. It's oh. like a fried donut. It was really good. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. It was like a very good post-Pesach hummets. <laughs> wow. I didn't... Oh. Wow, it was really know. cool. I'd never been to a, to one before. Oh, that's so nice. I gotta yeah. get. I gotta get in with the like the underground Moroccan. Uh, it's not fabric. so underground. It's just you gotta find the Moroccans I here in I Lakeview. Do. Yeah, I was spent Shabbos afternoon. I was chatting with the Israelis who were all like, "Oh, yeah, about did they or did they not celebrate?" Oh. Mamuna is the it's, Sephardic custom of having a Chabad party. It's not broadly Sephardic, right? Though. It's only certain. It's only Moroccan. I, th- I think that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they like a. Uh, um, one of the elders in the house came, got up, and like explained about the the practice and how it was uh, marking like how their house was now open to their neighbors who mm. could come, like the non Jewish neighbors could come back and and take part in their meals, you know, and, so and displaying friendliness. And also, it's an opportunity for shidduchim, like that's what oh, he wow. talked about. Fascinating, yeah. So I think that one of the um, Israelis I spoke to in the park on Yantif told me that his when his family in Morocco they were too from to celebrate Muna. It was like not it was like Pashtish for their their like segments of the community. For, interesting. So that was very interesting. It was not okay. not every Moroccan. Okay. Okay. Uh, Fascinating. Anyway, but it, okay, very nice. So um, that's great. Um, but I do want to take some time to, to like recap a little bit about Pesach because I think you know again we're a very forward thinking podcast in general, but uh, we, we a lot happened over Pesach. I think it was a really significant time, obviously for like the Jewish people and also for our shul yeah. community and and for us. So just like um, I want go first. That was Pesach because <laughs> uh, you you hosted a big seder for yes. the shul. Well, you um, hosted first night at your home, oh, I, I which was also night. fairly large. Yes, we hosted first night. It was large, especially considering that the last two years we yeah. did not host for Pesach. And so to have our um, all of our Pesach dishes and all the tables set up, like it was really, really nice. I, I had, you know, it's it's obviously a lot of work to host a big meal, but it's it's really rewarding. And um, and and we missed it. We really, we really, our family missed it. And um, it was really great to get the box of all the Haggadot out and, mm. and, and, you know, I, the Pesach dishes and the glass and the silverware, like all that's all the special things out of storage. It was really, really nice. And uh, yeah. I'm really grateful to our guests and grateful to the world is in such a way that we felt we were able to host to host again. And so that, that was that was really nice. Um, uh, but that was that wasn't new for me. That was just a return <laughs> to something uh, that we used to do so all the time. Cool. So so you hosted the Shul Seder on the I second night. I hosted the Shul Seder on the second night, which was the first time for me for hosting a, a communal Seder. I know it's like on the smaller end of what a communal Seder could be. I've heard... 35 people is not... Listen, okay. I spoke to rabbis. I was, okay. on a, I was on the Leap Fellowship with a bunch of other rabbis, and I uh, said, how do I... Give me pro tips. And they were like, how large is your group? I said, 30, 33, 34... 
They said that's that's a large family. That's not a communal seder. So, <laughs> ouch, ouch. Okay. It, but I truly felt that it was a communal seder. It was very, very beautiful actually to come back together. It was a mix of families and 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 young professionals and uh, and uh, just folks from all segments of the community who came and even people who haven't seen in a while or people who don't regularly come to Anche Shalom but signed up for this seder and it was really lovely. Like we went around reading and. Uh, I had a few prompts sprinkled here and there. I introduced the dipping course, a la the Walkenfels, <laughs> and we had like a a la the Rambam, okay, a la the Rambam <laughs> via the Walkenfels, um, with uh, all these uh, fruits and vegetables on the table, so people were happy. I, I moved at a quick pace, which was very, a crowd pleaser, um, and we got to sing together, and the kids got to act out, you know. Uh, different uh, the the maror and matzah and you know like they oh, did lovely. all the different that's so sweet they hid the afikomans oh I have to give out afikoman prizes yes 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 uh, <laughs> reminder okay, okay. I they uh, so, um, we we hid multiple afikomans and thank God we found all of them that's good. Uh, and that was really fun uh, all of the kids at the seder sang manishtana together it was just really lovely that's that's really really great that's really really yeah. great I, I um. As I saw the list of RCPs, you know, kind of trickling in, I, I was like, "Oh wow, this is gonna be a really great group this of people." It's really fun. Like single people and families and and conversion candidates and people very connected to the yeah. shul and people who have not been at the shul for a while. Like, I was just really, really grateful to the to the shul that we were able to provide this resource, people to you that you led it I, and facilitated. Yeah. And what uh, I loved is the yeah. the opportunity also to put people in conversation with each other who might not normally be sitting next to each other at the yeah. table, and people really embraced that. Um, and uh, made themselves, you know, open to answering questions and sharing and singing. And it was really, really lovely. And my parents were there. <laughs> and my brother. Uh, so shout out to them for coming. Your family was had so much nachas seeing you <laughs> facilitate a Seder with 35 people. Yeah. That's great. That's yeah. really, really great. Uh, and it was nice having your, always nice having your family in shul. Yes, so my brother's should... a regular millionaire. <laughs> so the shul is very happy when he's here. <laughs> It was great to have your entire family, all of them. Uh, it was great to have them. Your your brother is a great uh, asset to the community, so that was nice to me. And to our community at You home. know, Anshay Shalom is a net exporter of Jews over Pesach, um, like more leave than come, uh, but so like the, and I think Pesach also, like it's it's not, not everyone's able to get up, you know, like early in the morning after the Seder and make it to shul. So it's that also depresses yeah. uh, turnout a little bit. So it was just nice to have everyone who was able to be in yeah. shul. It was really great to, to have them there. There were some visitors, some uh, family members who came to town and who we put them to work uh, leading services <laughs> and, um, and, you know, definitely had to dance for their supper. But that, that was nice. And then I, by the end of Pesach, yeah. by the eighth day, we had nice weather. And, and yeah. then it was really nice to see, so nice. Uh, you know, many, many more people in shul, including a few who had not been in shul. We had one, one fellow return to shul who had not been in two years and it was really yeah. good time this was he decided it was going to be his return to shul and mm. so exciting to see him and as well as you know, everyone else who, and you know. all of the kids who who flooded back it was so lovely like the, the right we had groups running all through pesach but you know first days were were uh smaller than the last one it was really really active and exciting i think there were some families who went to grandparents for exactly. the starium and there they were as in florida or whatever <laughs> and then they and they came back to to their homes in lakeview for uh for the last days and so it was really, really nice yeah and we had there. our our pesach scavenger hunt or pesach scavenger hunt, our yes. uh it was a scavenger hunt and uh the amazing race where everyone was a winner but uh <laughs> my kids were a little bit uh indignant when they saw wait when they saw the list of winners one of my children was like, everyone won. That's a, that doesn't, how could everyone win? Well, they should have come to the amazing race. We were a... Um, I know you were a stop. We were a stop. <laughs> we were a stop. But you were the stop, not uh, the... Yeah, the kids got... Yeah, they could have come. Yeah, it was no, really no, fun. They, were, they, weren't, they weren't jealous they didn't get a, that they weren't winners. They just oh. felt that like if everyone's a winner, they, they were not embracing that... Um, 
They didn't like the ethos. Inclusive really. ethos, not yet, not yet. Okay. Not all of them. Not all. all right. Yet. But it looked like fun. I was, we were happy like when they when the group came yeah, to our really home. Cute. It was really fun. That was like a f- fun for us to, to host to be a stop. Um, so Pesach was really great in Lakeview, and and if you were you know if you if you were here, you know that, and if you weren't, maybe next year come stick or stay home for yeah. for Pesach or come visit us for Pesach. It's it's nice. We had only it only snowed half of Pesach. <laughs> um, okay. Looking ahead, lots of exciting things coming up, but one thing that's exciting and is coming up that we're already beginning to program around and promote is the summer soiree. We're so excited about the summer soiree that it's not happening. We're scheduling it for the spring, okay, before it's actually summer. But um, uh, Well, it's called, the theme is ASBI back in bloom. So the flowers are already blooming. Yes, and so, Mayflower's very nice, very nice. Yes. Okay. Yes. And one of our honorees is, is yours truly. Oh. Uh, not yours truly. You mean you, me. you, you, you. Are you yeah, not yours truly. <laughs> that, that is true, and thank you for the honor. I appreciate it. Have you ever been honored at a soiree before? Have I been to a soiree? Been honored at a soiree before. But ha- I'm saying, yeah, the question oh, is, oh, have oh, I saying... been to a soiree? What's a soiree? I've been to shul dinners. The soiree is like a shul dinner, but yes. much more fun. Much more fun. <laughs> shul dinners, um, I guess I've never been to a shul dinner. I've been huh. to like... I've been to dinners though, like, like for Chinese like, auctions, for like organizations and... and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. this is more fun. It's um, there is food, but it's you know served like buffet style and like or like past hors d'oeuvres, or whatever. So you can, mm-hmm. which is generally the best part of the dinner anyway. And um, you, it's just less formless. You can schmooze and talk and chat and, and enjoy yourself. And it's gonna be so fun. It's gonna. I really. I'm excited to daven mincha on the. <laughs> On the rooftop, Mincha again. on the rooftop of house that is really nice. Um, that, that's um, a, we're honoring uh, Erica and Donnie Phillips and Alana Pentelnik. A very, very worthy slate of honorees, yes. and uh, and, a, and and me and my podcast girls is also <laughs> a worthy, a, you know, a worthy honoree. Um, it's a sweet thing. It's a sweet thing. People feel a lot of gratitude towards you, and it's it's nice to have an opportunity to. Express and we're looking gratitude. forward to that festive attire. Festive attire. It's a fun <laughs> story. I mean, many of you, it's, it's nice again also like in terms of like to have an in-person story again yeah. after um, two years when we hadn't is, is really a special thing. So again, I want to encourage everyone to like if you're able to be there, be there. If you're not able to be there, you can take out an ad or the, you know, and, and, and sponsor. And, and it's a really mm-hmm. nice way to support the shul. Uh, in a way that also is like giving kavod and thanks to people who've given a lot. To the show. I mean, Donnie and Erica have been in shul leadership in one way or the other for, I guess, I think my entire time uh, at Anshay Shalom and have always been sources of like guidance and wisdom and, and advice and, and like so so generous with their experience in that way. Um, Lana Pentelnik, super effective and yes. uh, uh, <laughs> dynamic, you know, um, leader, leader in the community. On, uh, also on, on numerous communi- uh, committees, committees and, and spearheading uh, things and taking on projects and introducing new things to the shul and just has contributed so much. So we're excited. Yeah, yeah. So it's not, yeah, when there's like a way to like give thanks to good people, it's like, a, that's a, that's like a really, those are opportunities to take advantage of. So um, I hope, hope to see many of you or to, to hear from you um, at, at the soiree. So there's an interesting dynamic that, that occurred as Pesach ended here in Chutzlaret in the diaspora after eight days of Pesach. The final day of Pesach was Shabbat, uh, which means that in Israel, Pesach ended on a Friday and they went straight from the Yom Tov of Pesach to Shabbat. But regular uh, Shabbat. A regular Shabbat, right. With at, that was not Yom Tov. Uh, so first of all, that means that they, I think, means that they had to have like an eighth day without chametz because there was no way for them to yeah. like... Acquire their chametz back. Acquire their chametz back that they sold or purchase new chametz or bake new chametz. Unless they 
structure the sale, that it would automatically revert at the conclusion of Pesach if the purchaser didn't show up with the full money. But those who didn't (laughs) had a similar experience to the Jews of the diaspora. Full eight days without comments. But was really, so the main difference for them was that on Shabbat, it was not the eight day of Pesach, it was Shabbat of Parshat Achrimot. So they read Parshat Achrimot, and we did not. We are reading Parshat Achrimot. Uh, please God, this coming Shabbat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we are out of sync with with, um, with Israel. And it's interesting because we we could very easily catch up by reading Achrimot and Kedoshim together as a, as a double, double portion. portion, which it is many years. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to catch up for another um, like seven weeks or so, right? Yeah. Um, which is interesting, right? Like it, it, I always thought it was striking that we're going to be out of sync with Israel week after week, which would cause all sorts of halakhic headaches for somebody who travels to Israel during these weeks. You'll miss a Parsha, right? If you go to Israel, yeah, someone who flies to Israel today will miss a will Parsha. Will miss Parsha Achrimot, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's kind of, that's wild, right? <laughs> and so you'd think that we could just like, just shift the calendar and read Achrimot Kedoshim as a double portion this week and then we would be back in sync at the first opportunity. Right. And it's not even joining two Parshiot that are never joined. It's right. joining a parsha that are very often read as double portions, uh, but, we, but we don't do that. I, I right. guess, I, yeah, I, I think the answer is when the calendar was set and the, the parsha cycles were sort of allocated to the calendar, it was very uncommon for people to travel from Israel to the diaspora, and so it just wasn't a priority mm. to... Yeah, it's not It's not even thought, really. Because it wasn't even... I'm just thinking... Actually, I don't know that... I, hmm, I, I'm speculating without unfettered by knowledge because in, in ancient times, right, they, they had a triennial cycle in the land of Israel. Uh-huh. So this is actually a relatively recent issue because I don't think they started reading the Torah in Israel on an annual cycle until maybe the year 1100 or so. Mm-hmm. I think like the time of 1200, the time of the Rambam, I think they were still following the ancient Nusach Eretz Israel in the land of Israel, which I assume means that they were on a triennial cycle. So when the Babylonian right conquered Eretz Israel, that was, I think, some point in the period of the Rishonim. Uh, and so it's been, you know, only a problem of both of us on more or less the same Parsha cycle of reading the Torah every year, finishing on Sinclair's Torah every year, mm-hmm. but with this these sort of occasional gaps between Israel and the diaspora. So it's mm-hmm. a thousand years or less than a thousand years that we've had this problem. And mm-hmm. we... Still haven't solved it in a thousand years, but it's only been a thousand years. So okay, we 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 have a tra- you know tradition developed you know in the Middle Ages when travel was not particularly common, right. and we it hasn't been a priority to change that. Right, but in this scenario, it's not that we need to catch up to them; it's that they need to fall back onto our schedule. Because uh, there's a Tosfot Masachet Megillah Lamed Aleph Amid Bet, so it's Megillah thirty one B that says that Parshat Bechukotai um, should be read before. Uh, Shavuot because Shavuot is a day of judgment and when uh, the God determines how the year's fruit harvest will go and so um, we want to dispense with the year's curses as it ends right 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 yeah yeah the year should end let the year end with all its curses is to begin but what how does it I forget but um <laughs> Right, so we want we want the end, yeah, yeah, but the but right, so we want the the year to end, the year's curses to end, quote unquote, dispense with them before the year begins, right, as the year is ending. So Barshat Bechugotai contains curses 
uh, that we want to read before the new year starts, but we don't want to enter into Shavuot with curses on our minds. So we want there to be a buffer Parsha in between the curses that we want to dispense with, the Bichukotai, uh, and we want Bamidbar to then be the buffer in between Bichukotai and Shavuot. So we want to have uh, Bamidbar right before Shavuot. So that will work out... Perfectly for us. Perfectly for us as we are now. But uh, the Israel cycle needs to fall back one Parsha. So they'll need to double up one week. They'll do Bahar B'chukotai. They'll need to undouble. They'll one do Bahar B'chukotai as two Correct. separate parshiot. They'll need to separate out Bahar B'chukotai. So that they'll fall behind, there so that go. they have Bamidbar <laughs> as a buffer parsha in between the curses in B'chukotai and the new year of yes. Shavuot, the new year of fruits. And we do this again in the fall, where we always have Parshat Nitzavim before Rosh Hashanah, right. so that the curses in Kitavo aren't um, like adjacent to Rosh Hashanah. So right, that we... so Nitzavim before Rosh Hashanah, Bamidbar before Shavuot, that's how it has to be to buffer the curses. But we still could do a double portion now and then <laughs> uncouple Bahar B'chukotai like they do, mm. right? Yeah, but like, why? So that we'd all be on the same cycle, so that if we travel back okay, and forth... Okay, so it must you know, be that that's not a priority. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't... A, yeah, I understand exactly. why it wasn't a priority yeah. a thousand years ago, and I guess I understand why <laughs> you couldn't change it now, because how could you get everyone to agree to like do something like that? But um, so maybe like it's a testament to like the power of <laughs> Jewish dysfunction that we can't solve a thousand-year-old problem. Uh, it's not a thousand-year-old problem. It's only in modern times where people are traveling back and forth between Israel and the diaspora with great frequency that it's really um, that's an issue. But uh, also, I, like, listen to the parsha in time, or like read it themselves. Oh, yeah. What yeah. do you do if, like, if you're in that situation? Yeah. You should just read the parsha. <laughs> you don't girl. actually have to miss the parsha. I mean, you yeah, might hearing it read in shul. Yeah. 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 If you go to, if you're in, you hear it twice, if you, yeah. if you're in, you, uh, all right. If everyone, were to, I don't know, if everyone, if you could get everyone to agree, wouldn't you? You wouldn't. You wouldn't change it. I guess. It? I guess it makes sense. Nice to have that connection. It makes sense to have that connection that we're on the same. Cycle. Isn't it weird to get all those parsha emails from Israel? It's like the wrong parsha, <laughs> you know, or like people like plan for the bar mitzvah in Israel. It's like the wrong parsha. Like all, all these like terrible things happen, you know, because of like this this discrepancy. If you you know you Google what is the weekly what's the parsha because I'm gonna like lane in three weeks and then like it's the wrong parsha because yeah, I don't know I, I think it's it's true. It's true. I did when I said when I was prepping the parsha sheets, I got like the wrong answer based on one side of like what parsha it was, and it could have caused a big problem. But you know, our madrichim are resilient. Okay, so. I'm sure they have like uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of Pesach content in our groups. It was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it does happen. You're right. So my that would be my that would be all my right. vote. You got to write to the chief rabbinate, I guess. Well, that's the problem. There's no there is no way to convene all religious Jews who read the Torah portion each week. Like you think we like, need the Sanhedrin for? <laughs> you see, I, I mean, I think if everyone like, I don't think it's like a big halachic it's issue not. to like to like it's, solve. It's, it's just it's need not. like everyone to agree to like change. We've been doing it for for centuries in order to solve this like relatively new problem of people yeah. traveling back and forth. So so I don't think it's um, it's a problem of not having centralized Jewish. Authority. You know, what, you know, it reminds me it, it, it um, you know when Lagba Omer occurs on a Friday? on a Sunday. Sunday. Yes, Lagba Omer is on a Sunday, <laughs> and when Lagba Omer is on a Sunday in Israel, they postpone the celebrations until Monday because they don't want people to break Shabbos by preparing for Lagba Omer on sh- before you know like starting collecting wood for the bonfires or driving up to Meron or whatever they're doing. Like there are Israelis who celebrate Lagba Omer who will break Shabbos if Lagba Omer is on Sunday. Right. And so they have all agreed, we'll push it off until, 
until Monday in, in those circumstances. And that's been, they've been doing that for a couple of years now whenever this has occurred. And, but obviously not everyone goes along with it, right? So it, it, It's it, like pushing off the celebration. It's not the same. It's, it's, it's a big, you know, yeah. Lagba Omer and Myron is, yeah. is hundreds of thousands of people. And they, yeah. they so that, that, that that's an, uh, across a wide spectrum of Jewish practice and belief and yeah. community. And, and that sort of almost works, um, but, but not, you know, not, uh, police have to break Shabbos to be, you know, it's a, it's a big operation, right? So, yeah. so they have not gotten universal buy-in, but they, so it's sort of a big, it's a big mess, but they've gotten, you know, whatever, some percentage of the celebrators have, right. have coordinated that. So right. This is even more, it's even a bigger spectrum. I don't know, it'd be, it'd be hard to pull off. That's also a concern for like Chil Shabbos. This is a. You think it's less of a, okay? Yeah. I, I hear <laughs> that. It's like a, it's worth trying like, to like you know. to make sure that people don't burn fire or light an actual fire on Shabbat. Like lo tovar like okay. makes sense to fair. do something. Fair, that's fair. That's fair. So Dafyomi, uh, this past week has uh, been like a really interesting. Um, like a little diversion from like the main topic of Yavamot. I mean, it's it's relevant to the main topic of Yavamot, but it's it's uh, we, we've the, the Talmud's main treatment of conversion to Judaism is in Masechet Yavamot, and it's been in the Dapim, the pages that Dafyomi has been studying this past week. And uh, I thought it'd be interesting just to share this Brita, this this ancient source preserved in the Talmud that um, goes through the procedure for conversion. It's really it's interesting to me because it is like obviously the basis for how conversion works today and. It's also really different from how conversion works today hmm. uh, as well. So, so I'll also read through it and, and uh, share the, the, uh, a link to the, to the source in the, the podcast notes. But it, it, so you have a 47A. Tan Rebbenan is a bright. It says, Ger Shabbat Yikayar B'zman Hazeh, a convert who comes to um, convert at present time, meaning, I guess, not in the times of the Beit HaMikdash, and mm-hmm. sort of the, you know, time similar to ours, what do we say? We say, what did you see that motivated you to come to convert? Don't you know the Jewish people at the present time is anguished, suppressed, despised, harassed, hardships are visited upon them. It's like hard to be Jewish. And if the person, the candidate says, I know, and even so, I am unworthy. Uh, okay. Um, so then we immediately accept him. If like, wow, I was willing to become Jewish, even if you know that like, it's not so easy to be Jewish and there's mm-hmm. the suffering. Uh, then, then we accept them, them right away, and then that that's that is actually still part of like some mm-hmm. like informed consent of like you know yeah. you may face anti-Semitic um, violence even you know if you become Jewish is something that is part of the conversion process. Accept yeah. um, immediately sounds like you like okay that's all you have to do to convert, or maybe that just means you accept him as a candidate. But it sounds <laughs> like yeah, it sounds like you accept him as a convert. I don't know. Um, if, and you're then, if you're willing to be with us through thick and thin, right? Yeah, then you're yeah, one of us, yeah. right? And then the right, yeah, and the writer goes on. Mitzvot, Mitzvot, Very cryptic phrase. He informed them some of the easy mitzvot, some of the hard mitzvot, some of the lenient mitzvot, some of the stringent mitzvot. Yeah. Um, and then you tell them about the sin of withholding from the poor, uh, the gleanings, forgotten sheaves, and the produce of the corner of the fields, and the poor man's tithe. All of the obligations of like interpersonal, like. You know, the farmer has to provide from his produce Taking to the poor. Taking care of the vulnerable, right? Yeah. So um, R- Rashi explains the reason why you tell them that is because well, now that they're going to be Jewish, they have to, you know, all these people are going to start coming, taking their property, you know, like, <laughs> taking their field, and they can't, like, chase them off like maybe they did before. Uh, We're but, obligated now to take yeah. care of the vulnerable, whereas you... Yeah, it's, but it's just, like in specific it's just such a different, like, I don't know, like conversion curriculums today. It's like so much on like, you know, you make sure the convert can like, kashu. yeah, like, do they know how to like serve a hot meal on Shabbos? Do they know like the bracha before all the kinds of food they eat? Do they know how to like come to shul and open a door and follow along? Like, you know, and can they read Hebrew well enough to do that? Like that's, 
like it's like a big, big chunk in here, the, the bright is saying, a sample mitzvot, right? A sample, a selection of the mitzvot, some of the simpler ones, some of the right. harder ones, and included the myth, you know, like the hilchot stucha, right? You have to like know to take care of the poor, yeah. be responsible for the poor and the community that they're joining, which is um, generally not a major part of uh, most conversion curriculums. It's interesting. Right. It's like the heart of, of this one. Um, uh, and then you say, um, be aware, like the, before you became Jew, as a non-Jew, like you're not obligated to, you know, to you eat non-kosher food, that's fine. But now that you're Jewish, you're going to be punished by God if you eat non-kosher food. Before you were Jewish, you could break Shabbos, and that'd be fine. And now that you're Jewish, if you break Shabbos, you could be punished for that. Right, so maybe that's kind of like a hint too, right? They need to know about Shabbat and what's involved in yeah. the Shabbat Isurim. If they're expecting, accepting upon themselves the punishment, they kind of need to know Yeah, that what. is interesting. Yeah, this part also is, is, is part of the contemporary conversion process in that there's an emphasis made to the convert that like, we're not a proselytizing religion and right. you know God is totally fine with you remaining non-Jewish and right. serving God as a Gentile and being a righteous Gentile and achieving Olam Haba in that way. But mm-hmm. if you become Jewish, like you, you're held to this higher standard and the convert has to accept that as well. Um, and then the bright uh, concludes by saying, Okay, so you, you have to balance it. You can't just threaten them like, oh, like, now that you're Jewish, you're going to be like held accountable for every sin that you weren't accountable to before. But now that you're Jewish, also um, you have this opportunity to reap rewards as 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 someone Jewish is this like tremendous reward um, hidden away in the world to come for the, for the righteous, and and you have access to that as um, as someone as someone Jewish. And then right? And and being Jewish, it's like I don't know. I would just understand that phrase. Like it's uh, <laughs> we're, we're kind of. Uh, uh, we can't accept too much good. We can't accept too much bad. So like... Uh, Maybe like we don't get special treatment, it sounds like, huh? I don't know exactly yeah. what it means. What does it mean? That's Rashi, yeah. Yeah, something like, something like don't expect it to be... T- easy. Easy to like reap up those bonus points, at you, right? Because you're going to be... Mm. You'll, you'll have temptation and so it'll, you'll have to struggle to, to, to like avoid the sins and observe the mitzvot. It's going to, like all of us, it's a struggle to be good and you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll face that as well. And then the bright includes, we don't, don't, we don't make it too hard for them. And we don't, we don't investigate them overly. Uh, That's interesting. We're not exacting with him about the details. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, just big picture, like the conversion process as described in this bright. Hey, warming food on Shabbat is like a very detailed. <laughs> right? It's, uh, yeah. It's, it seems like a real difference. You know, I, I, what, what's being described here is definitely Kabbalah. De- what details um, are they talking about here? What in Dr. Kino? Yeah, I, 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 I you mean like the ins and outs of being a Jew in the world, or the ins and outs of mitzvot, or. I, That's what I, Rashi says. You, you shouldn't overly. Oh, that's only for Marbina love. You shouldn't add too many uh, things to make them back away from the process. Yeah, the goal seems to be somebody is like has a sincere motivation to join the Jewish people and suffer alongside us, and like that that entails mitzvah observance. But but I think a lot of that mitzvah education can take place after they're already Jewish. That right. seems to be the assumption. Right. Uh, another possible assumption is that there weren't so many. There weren't as many ways of being Jewish. Let's say in the time of Chazal, so somebody mm-hmm. shows up in Beit and says, "I want to be Jewish." So like they kind of recognize. Obviously, it. that means they're going to keep Shabbos strictly. Obviously, that means they're going to be very strict about the observance of kashrut because that's that was like definitional to everyone's understanding of what it meant to uh, to be Jewish. And so, okay, great. Sign, you want to sign up? Great. We'll, we'll you know, put your name there. You know, like <laughs> let's do this. Um, uh, whereas once that's no longer a universal assumption, we have to really make sure that they're acceptance of mitzvah, they understand what that means. 
Um, yeah. I would say even the best of circumstances, there's like a fair amount of education that's yes. necessary. <laughs> like I, I wouldn't want to take on that risk of accidentally breaking Shabbos yeah. without um, I mean, right. That's knowing the thing. Warning them wa- about the punishment sounds like it entails ed- also them being educated somehow, right? Yeah, I, I think that I, I would still... Like skila, like a stoning is a pretty heavy... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just know about the Shabbos thing. It's pretty serious. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I guess I would say that even if the if there's a there is a correspondence between what this bright is describing and what we do today, the the kind of overall thrust is a little bit different. Where yeah. I think many but they did many courts today are like a little suspicious or not even suspicious. Yeah. Just their attitude is okay. Prove to us, that you're convince us that you're going to be successful as a Jew and that yeah. you know enough and have practiced observing it for long enough that you're going to be successful as a Jew. And I think the ethos of the of Orthodox as an observant Jew. Orthodox Jew and the ethos right. of the bright is. Um, seems to be a real bias in favor of accepting people who who, who, who show to, interest, yeah, who show are excited, yeah, uh, and that yeah, that seems to be really. And then the rights continues and talks about the procedure and convert uh, circumcision for men, and and then mikvah immersion with the presence of a baitin, and and that you repeat the that that you know they have to accept the Torah, and accept mitzvot, and, you know, in the mikvah. Um, that that's mm-hmm. that's in the conclusion, and that, that's basically what what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really striking to I don't know that's what's kind of fun about about Gemara because you it's it's um, it all comes back to the Gemara more or less right so you sort of that's uh, it's with any topic right you got to trace it back to the Gemara but you can see how over the centuries um, you know new concerns are highlighted or, or different elements become primary and other things are de-emphasized and and uh, you can really see that in, in this in this way as well I, I guess for for me. Um, as someone who's involved in fair, a relatively large number of conversions, I think this is like sort of a good rem- rem- like reminder that um, yes, you know, we want to make sure this convert is going to be a successful Jew, but the goal should be like welcoming and facilitating people who want to be Jewish to to join yeah, the Jewish like people. Like yes, and right, yes, right, yeah. yeah, precisely, precisely. Thank you so much for listening to the Straw Hat Podcast. Uh, we're eager for your feedback, and we're eager to see you uh, in show. Sure.